Hey everyone, welcome back to the Trail Life. Just kick back, relax, put on your old listening headphones, and get ready for a good one. I brought the one, the only, Sally McRae back on the show. We've got a lot to talk about. I will preface this. This is not a Coconut 250 recap. Um, she has done one of those. Actually, she's done a ton of those. And uh, she did one on her own podcast. And that one's the most detailed one you're ever going to get because it's coming straight from her. But what I am going to talk to her about is her book, her movie, her training philosophy, the Choose Strong brand. There's a lot to go over. There's so much to this individual and so much to this woman that uh, a lot of knowledge to take in today. So let's just get right into it because this is a good one. Welcome back to The Trail Life, Sally McRae. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Good. You look, I, I tell you, well, first of all, you look like a very professional, like in studio. <laughs> this is all Eddie. Yeah. He turned our, our fourth bedroom into a full-blown studio. So I mean, damn. Don't give me any props. I know every time I podcast with people, they say that. And I'm like, it is him. <laughs> I mean, the, the mood lighting in the back. Everything. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, he's done a phenomenal job. It, it's kind of like you have your own podcast show or something that you... <laughs> right? I mean... Kind of like we, we've we done this before. <laughs> I know, right? Well, don't pay, don't pay attention to my whiteboards that are in the background. Or no, anything. no, let's you're just, good. Let's That's... just pretend that I'm in a very professional studio as well. That's more normal, actually. My <laughs> <laughs> podcast with it's like that. That's what's going on. So, <laughs> well, thank you for finally coming back on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and and for your time. I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I uh, jog your memory a little bit. The last time you were on, which was roughly at this point in time, was almost two years ago. Yeah. I right? think so, it's been a, so it's been a while. Yeah. And one of the things that I told you that I would love to have uh, a conversation with is strength training. Mm -hmm. I have like, I, I could have a full on episode about <laughs> strength training and, and the trail runner with you. So I want to get into that a little bit today. I, I figure you've done enough at this point, done enough Coca-Dona recaps. <laughs> You're probably a little bit over it. <laughs> oh man. I, I had such a great race. That was such an amazing I, experience. The, really. the one thing I, I, I'll keep my Coca-Dona questions very minimal. <laughs> and I'm only going to ask this because I, I watched the documentary last night. Okay. Which a good, good movie Camelback put together. You guys did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so so how are the feet? Yeah, that's actually like the the top FAQ right now. I mean, they took like three weeks before I could like fully wear shoes. Um, and then I've been back training for like the last two weeks, but they, you know, they weren't after a while, they just weren't blisters anymore. They were like legit foot wounds. So yeah. um, because of that, they, they definitely took longer to, to heal and um, one of the wounds turned into like a stage two or three or grade two or three. I don't know how they refer to it. Um, ulcer. 
So it was like a hole in the back of my heel. So that that took the longest to heal. Um, that's the only bandage I still wear today. So we're a month post-race and um, that one's still like covered up. But I'm I'm like fine when I run. Uh, yeah. If I have these bandages on it, it's, it's, it's okay. And it's, you know, it's healing each day, but it was worth it. I mean, I think for me, I was very <laughs> grateful. It was just skin. It wasn't bones or organs, which... Yeah you know, that would have been a, a very different movie uh, because I, I think I really love running so much that I, you know, if I had a bone sticking out of my skin, like that'd be really stupid to try and, and keep going on that. But I knew it was pretty painful what I was going through, but I also was like so grateful that it wasn't like a legit, yeah. like running injury. You know, I hadn't smashed my knee or broken ankle or anything like that. So yeah. yeah How effective. So, <laughs> Did I, did I see your sign up for Moab now? Is yeah, right? I'm doing the Grand Slam of 200. So I'm doing nice. 200, Bigfoot 200, and then Moab 240. So now that, now you've got the 200, the, the, your 200 fix, you're now into it fully now with the. Yeah. So it, um, I think it was like November of last year. I decided that, um, 2023 was going to be about entering, um, the world of 200s and like learning the distance, learning how to train for it. Um, learning how to race them. It's a pretty mysterious distance, I think, in trail running. Um, you know, and you don't, it's it's not the same as a 100 mile race. I knew that there's, there's definitely a mix of, you know, this like through hiking type mindset slash 100 mile um, running mindsets. So you kind of combine the two a little bit. So doing just a lot of research on like eating and just, caring for yourself on multiple nights. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. So, uh, definitely is, is more of a, an, an experimental year for me and Cocodona when we kicked that off, um, you know, I knew as my first race, I was like, this isn't going to be something that I'm going to be reaching for the yeah. podium, but I do need to learn like how to do this distance. Cause there's so many questions that I, that I had about it. So yeah, I decided just to go all in and the goal is, for each race, I'll be doing something different. So just trying different strategies. And we have a YouTube channel and we released our first series called Training for a 200. And we just chronicled like all my training and different things that I was doing. Um, and then we're just going to continue to do that throughout the year. And hopefully it'll be a good resource for people and as well as a source of entertainment because there's <laughs> a lot of mistakes I've made along the way, but yeah. it's been it's been pretty fun. Now, have you talked to a lot of, other trail runners that have that almost strictly do 200s now uh, have you have you spoken to a lot of them to kind of get some of the ideas as far as how to manage sleep deprivation and the nutrition aspect of it or is that something you're kind of just learning on your on your way no i i'm a i'm a big believer in being a student always yeah. so i do every type of research reading, having conversations, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube channels, all I, I take in as much information as possible. So, um, I think that when you have so many resources and you're surrounded by a great community, um, you know, it's only wise to look to those who have gone before you and, and learn from them. And it, it's, it's really fun too, because everyone has their, their unique experiences and, and very unique opinions on how to, to, train and race these. So I love just learning from, from everyone. Yeah. I, so this, this kind of leads into the conversation I, I wanted to have with you about, um, your philosophy on 
fitness and the strength training aspect of it and everything else, because it's, I, I would love to hear kind of the choose strong, like where that whole entire mentality came from and how the brand got started. Um, because it's, it's interesting. I think when it comes to the strength training aspect of the trail runner, uh, there needs to be a lot more information out there, right? There you get your newbies that are trying to do one hundreds or new people that are trying to do two hundreds and the philosophy kind of changes a little bit. And so I kind of want to hear the, how the choose strong brand came around and then that that'll kind of lead into the, the, the fitness aspect of it, because I think I, and I'm sure that there was a ton of adjustments to your training schedule um, and how you prepared for the 200 versus like your regular 100s. So let's let's start from from the beginning. Where did where did Choose Strong brand come from? Yeah, Choose Strong. The the tagline with that is strong body, strong mind, strong love. So it's kind of like a total, um, you know, a very balanced approach to not just training, but to life. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was formulated one, just in, in how I, I personally approach life. You know, I've, I've been in the sport for a long time. Um, but one of the other things that I'm incredibly passionate about is, um, writing and and speaking. So I I've traveled all over the world, speaking, sharing my story. Um, I just released a book called choose strong Mm -hmm. Um, which is not a running book, even though it's like number one in running and jogging right now <laughs> on Amazon. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Cause I do, yeah. I definitely do have some questions about that for sure. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's running stories in there. You learn like how I started running and yeah. you know, there's like a couple things laced into the stories, but I think that, um, you know, for me, I've always believed that sport as a whole, and especially running is just such a beautiful parallel to life. And we have a lot of opportunities in sport where we get to learn about ourselves and who we are, especially when you're kind of stripped raw mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, in the more uncomfortable races or competitions, or even just in training. And we have an opportunity to apply that to life. And I think that, you know, the world that we're in today, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of tension and uh, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, unfortunately there, people are more depressed than they have ever been in the history of, of mankind. And people are more disconnected and confused and, and searching, um, for not only meaning, but, but value in life as a whole. So that's like the, the two sides where choose strong came from. Cause a lot of that just comes in the messaging that I put out but I use running as a way to talk about that message. And I, I parallel it with that on the entirely other side of everything. It's just, yeah, I've, I've been strength training since I was 16 years old. Um, it's something that I've always loved to do. And um, one of the things that, and I, I tell a little bit about this in my book, you know, I was never like this incredible athlete. Um, and I wanted to be a professional soccer player for most of my life. And the way that I compensated um, was by getting strong. So I was like fast, but I didn't have the best footwork. Um, and so for me, I was like, well, what are all the things that I can do to make myself stand out? And so being strong 
um, was one of them. And when I entered the ultra world, uh, you know, and especially when I got signed as a pro almost 10 years ago, um, that was like the first time that I realized that I didn't really fit in with the other, um, Mm -hmm. endurance athletes. I didn't, I didn't look like a lot of them and, and both coaches and athletes were a bit skeptical and, um, many times pretty critical to my face about, um, how foolish it was that I was spending that much time strength training that I I carried so much muscle on my body. Um, and that really put me on kind of like a roller coaster journey in my career, wondering maybe I should, you know, atrophy this, this muscle, I'd probably be a better runner. Um, and this is like me, I already had been signed. So completely ignoring the fact that I was signed as a strong, big muscular runner. And so, um, yeah, I kind of went on, went on that journey and realized I love being strong. And not only that, the whole reason why I continued lifting and running was because when I started in ultras, there wasn't a ton of information out there about how to train for it, but I, I was a trainer and a coach. And so I just literally used logic. And I thought if I'm going to be running over mountains for like 20 or 30 hours, why wouldn't I want to have a body that's strong? Like I want a body that can endure. Nobody's running five minute pace at mile 85. Like we're all, you know, if, if anything, it's like, that's now the body's done at mile 85. Like it's, it's all mental. But what I realized that as the years went on, um, and year after year after year that I was injury free, I realized that the strength is what allowed me to continue to compete, to continue to stay at, at the top of my game. And, um, and surprisingly, I I'm still here, I'm still yeah. here. And I attribute a lot of that to, um, just carving out the path that made the most sense to me. And, and that's the other thing with strength. It looks different for all of us. I think, um, when people naturally look at me, they think that I like CrossFit style strength chain, but I always like to explain that we all have our starting point. And because I've been lifting since I was 16, this is why I look the way that I do. It's not because I started lifting. Cause it was, cause now it's like trendy. Now it's like yeah. so many people that like criticize me and put me down. Like they're now posting about, it. I'm like, Oh, must <laughs> be nice. Huh? How's that going for you? Getting a lot more followers now. Like it's just really funny. Um, but I think that I, you know, I, I just like to share with people, like you have to have a starting point when it comes to strength training, just like you do with everything in your life. And so, you know, it's not about lifting heavy weights or trying to get big or get big muscles. It's just getting strong in the body that you are given. And you can do that really well with just body weight exercises. You can do that really well with just resistance bands and a couple dumbbells. Um, and that's actually at the the top part of how I've always strength trained. I'm not always doing, you know, big heavy lifting and stuff like that, but um, it's definitely allowed me to continue in this sport. And I think that in the races where I've really had run into trouble or discomfort, um, having a a total head to toe strong body has allowed me to compensate when I have um, pain in my body somewhere else. And so um, it allows me to get to the finish line strong. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think, I think the, the common misconception is and because the CrossFit brand or that style of working out, I think is very commercialized in a sense. 
that oh their marketing was incredible oh 100 percent and because I, of their marketing strategy <laughs> exactly and i i think the 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 that's what I think a lot of runners need to understand. I think that, it, and I, I say that I'll, I, I want to talk mostly from the beginner or very like novice trail runner more than anything else. I mean, we, the, those that are in, that have been in the sport for a while and are doing ultras or doing it hundreds or two hundreds kind of have that, that information out there. And I think it's important for anybody who's kind of getting into it, wants to know more about it. You know, that's, that's kind of the demographic that I see at my, at my races, a lot of those that are not, you know, not the pro level, but they're, they're in it. They're trying to get up to that next level um, from a distance perspective. And I think you do a really good job in like your Instagram, like showing people that, like you said, it doesn't have to be a lifting a barbell and doing, you know, barbell squats at 135 pounds or whatever. It's, it's the dumbbells and body weight stuff. It's also the mobility aspect of it. Um, and I want to get into that in a second, but it, I think, I think just the general information that you put out there right now, I think is very important for people to take a look at and see. So I, I applaud you for everything that you do as far as keeping your body up to where you need to be for, for your races. Um, I guess one of the things that, that I wanted to find out from you, like when you're training for an event and whether it's a hundred miles or 200 miles or heck, even just going out for your training and doing 20 miles, like what does your training schedule look like from a mobility aspect to the actual strength training aspect? I mean, are you doing four days a week of just full on strength training? Are you doing kind of a combination between the mobility and the strength? Like, what are you really focusing on from your perspective? Yeah, it depends on the season and and what I'm training for. So I guess Mm -hmm. the best, the best starting point is to start with my off season. So I typically take November, December off. Holidays are a really big deal. My family and I have kids. So, um, I love to be as social and with family and, and really just develop, um, those sweet memories and and keep those traditions live. So I I love it too, because, um, I take a big break from like, I don't, I don't do very, very many long runs. Um, most of my running is, is pretty minimal during those eight weeks. Mm. And, um, I spend a lot of time in the gym. So I'm in the gym six to seven days a week. And, uh, my focus in the off season is just getting super strong head to toe. Um, regardless if I was a competitive athlete or not, I love lifting and I like lifting heavy. I like getting stronger. Um, I just really enjoy that. So that's the focus in the off season. And the mindset is always I'm building for what I'm going to do to my body (laughs) in the next year. (laughs) So November, December is like such a great time to just kind of reground myself. I, I really focus on sleep I usually put on some weight too, like purposely in that time. Um, I've been doing the sport long enough to understand that a lot of the, like once I'm locked into like training and racing, um, my body is just like so beat up and it's really hard sometimes for me to hang on to weight after races. So I build up muscle. Um, I eat a lot of food. I sleep a lot. 
And um, it's all about preparing, laying that foundation for when the season starts. Once the season starts, um, the focus then shifts to aerobic base building. Now, because I've I've been a lifelong athlete, my aerobic capacity is pretty massive. And me working up to just like a 20 mile run does not take very long at all. Like I don't, you know, I don't experience it the same way that maybe somebody else does. Like that is never like monstrous to me, but I ease into um, bigger miles for eight weeks. I, I stay in the aerobic base building, but then I'm still doing four to five days in the gym of strength training. And every single session starts with 20, 20 to 30 minutes of mobility. I'm a huge believer in mobility. I think it's one of the most overlooked um, aspects of training. I think every yeah. athlete should do it. doesn't matter if you're a runner or not. Um, I think every human should do it. Um, if you look around and you look at people that are um, that are older and like senior citizens and stuff, one of the things you notice is is if they are not healthy and, and doing those things, they're very stiff when they move. Getting up and down out of a chair is difficult. Moving laterally is very, very difficult. Um, and just everyday movements that you need, reaching up and taking a glass out of a cupboard and, and things like that. So mobility allows you just to move better throughout your day and in life and in doing everyday activities. So I see that as it really is your, your entry point in staying youthful, yeah. um, moving youthfully. You have to have all those joints be mobile, flexible, and strong. And so um, I, I really take that seriously. And when I did, I really started putting more of an emphasis on it um, like two or three years ago. And I noticed changes in my running. I was like, oh my gosh, I just, like my stride feels better. Like I'm recovering better. I wake up in the mornings feeling better. I'm not as stiff. Um, after I do 20 to, to 30 minutes of mobility, my strength training is broken up into, there's an emphasis every single day. So, you know, one day might be just glutes and core. And then the next day is like all upper body, shoulders, um, back. And I think those are like upper body is important for, especially trainers, because you're carrying a pack. And even just yeah. the motion of moving your arms for a hundred miles, like that back and forth. I mean, I hear people all the time after races that say my back hurts, my hips hurt, my, yeah. and my arms were hurting or my pack got really heavy. And it's like, so I, I like to train the total body. So, um, but as far as like super heavy weight, like I might do that once, maybe, maybe twice a week. Um, mm. the goal is just, is really tackling a, a body part, um, each day. Well, it's, it's definitely interesting. You make a really good point with the upper body strength. I mean, there's that, I think that's kind of the, one of the biggest misconceptions that as a runner, you don't need to have as much upper body strength or, or train it as much as you do lower body. Right. And I think that, that just like, just like you said, if you're out there getting ready to do even a 50 K or a 50 mile and you're carrying a pack, well, that pack is even though it's only a few ounces of water, right. Or a few liters of water, it's still going to be, it's extra weight that you're not used to carrying. One it's, liter of water is 2.2 pounds. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so you're putting on sometimes five to 10 pounds on your pack. Yeah. So I think that's important. I, when it comes to, uh, anterior versus posterior, do you feel that one 
over the other is is better for a trail runner like like you said you train your your glutes and core you know in some in certain perspectives like you 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 know how much of is quad versus hamstring or glute training and same thing for chest versus you know back like what is do you break that down or look at that as far as what is needed more for just for you i mean perspectively and then because everybody's different so it's kind of hard to speak to everybody but what do you typically look at that i think what is important just speaking to the listeners is you need to first do an assessment on your own body because everyone breaks down and has their imbalances and weaknesses so i personally have like a lot of um spinal problems so i have like lordosis um scoliosis kyphosis um, I have seven bulging discs. My neck doesn't have a curve anymore. I have a torn ligament, permanently torn in my neck. Um, and then I have a slight curve in my ribs. How rib do you even stand up straight? I know. Well, that's why <laughs> I stand so much. Honestly, like I, when I first was married, um, so I was very young, 20s, like 21, 22. Um, I had like pretty intense back pain. And um, I started doing Pilates. And then I started like lifting um, differently. Like I started lifting a little bit heavier at that mm. time. And my whole focus was getting my back and my core strong. So if I'm not doing that stuff, I will have back pain. So, um, so anyway, my point in that is it's why it's important that you get an assessment. Cause like the other thing that I have is like my hips fall out a lot. So I can like sit in a chair and if I contract my glutes, you can audibly hear my hips click back into, um, back into place. So they fall out a lot oh. and, you know, that can cause some pain, but it's just, that's, I will deal with that for the rest of my life. That's just how I am. But if I'm strong and I'm strength training, I don't, I don't have any pain there. And so I think what is important that we often overlook is we scroll through Instagram and we look at YouTube and we see these guys and girls in sexy clothes and big muscles and, um, beautiful glistening bodies. And we think if I just do that workout, if I follow their plan, I'm going to look like that. But I think we need to train in a way that, um, our body needs and in a way that's going to build us up uniquely and not just like some fad, cool looking workout. And so, um, I actually created an app called Sally McRae strength. And one of the first things that I have people do when they enter the app is they, they take an assessment. It's like the most basic assessments. Like, can you sit in a chair and stand up in from that chair on one foot? Can you do How many times can you do that? Can you do a push up from your feet or can you do, do you have to be on your knees and do it? Or do you have to be against a a table? Can you step up on a box, um, balance on one foot? Like all of these most basic exercises. And it's very eye opening for people because a lot of times people struggle with the assessment. And then my question is, why on earth would I put a weight in your hand? If you can't even lift your own body weight, if you have these crazy imbalances from your right to your left, if you have pain in your left hip or your Achilles isn't has, has zero mobility in your ankle, like why would you be doing all these crazy exercises? And I think that people are probably more confused and overwhelmed with information than they've ever been. Cause there's a lot of great information out there, yeah. but if you're brand new and you're, you're trying to get into strength training or you want to put it in with your running, it can be really overwhelming. And so, um, 
I do. I mean, I'll be honest. I had to work up for years and years to this, but like it, it is typical two to three times a week. I'll do two hours of pretty heavy, consistent lifting in the morning. And then I'll go run for five hours in the mountains right after that. Years ago, doing something like that would have shattered me like that. That is like heavy legs for days, <laughs> but the body is so incredibly strong and resilient. And the way that we're able to build it up is mind blowing. So for me, that doesn't shatter me anymore. I can lift and run every single day, but it took me years and years to build up to that. And so um, the things that I have put into this app kind of help people navigate that. And it all starts with body weight and then they slowly move on to like dumbbells. But I'm not saying go to the gym and like, let's do deadlift 150, 300, 400 pounds. Um, I think the most important thing is that you are able to move in your own body the best you can. Mobility routines help you see that too. I mean, you'll move through ankle stuff and you're like, dude, why is my left ankle like not moving at all? And my right one is, but people don't like doing that stuff because it's not sexy. It's not exciting. You don't feel like you're burning calories or strengthening, but those, those types of routines keep you from injury and they allow you to keep doing what you want to do and they help you run better and lift better. So yeah, it's it's about tackling your own, your own body. Yeah. You don't see very many mobility accounts on Instagram (laughs) as far as, as you said, it's, it's the sexy, it's the non-sexy thing (laughs) to be doing. So, and, and like you, like, like you reference, like it's hard in this day and age, like you see, as you're scrolling through social media, you've got all these different body types that are doing crazy, you know, workouts and stuff. And then it's the people kind of get fed into that a little bit. And it's, it is tough. And I agree. I totally agree. Like you got to just, everybody's got a starting point and you have to figure out where that starting point is for you. And if it means you're just doing some body weight stuff to get started and then have at it, cause that's, and don't, and, and I, I've tell people this all the time too, is don't give a shit what, what is, what you're doing in the gym versus somebody else is doing too. Right. That's the thing is once you get you into the don't gym, know where they've started. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't and know where they've started. <laughs> exactly. So don't, don't pay it. Like just go in there and do your own thing and, and the rest will take care of itself. So. Yeah. But to answer your question, I mean, I, I do do it all. I don't overemphasize posterior anterior yeah. hamstring um, quad, because I think that trail running demands that you are total body strong. And I run on all different types of terrains and races and elevations and altitude and weather and continents that it's like, you have to be ready for anything that's thrown at you. And if you're on a section, I mean, UTMB was a classic example of this. Everyone talks about how much climbing is UTMB. Now a lot of people talk about how much freaking running you do too. There are like (laughs) four and five mile sections where you are freaking hammering. And so that's hard. To climb, you know, you're, you've just climbed 15,000 feet and now you have to run five miles hard. Well, dude, if you didn't like do a good job working on those hamstrings, that's going to hurt really bad. If you just descended this massive 3000 foot, um, you know, you've just come down a 3000 foot drop and now you have to run fast on the road. Um, yeah, I, hopefully you didn't, you weren't just training your quads. So I think that at child runners, they, they get to be, you know, total body focus. Um, I think other sports you can, you can kind of dial in like, Hey, let's 
pay a little bit more attention here. You know, you're a pitcher in baseball, so we're really going to focus on these muscles. But um, I think for trail runners, you need to be head to toe um, ready for whatever the mountain or the terrain gives to you. Do you see a huge difference between uh, the training for road runners versus trail runners? Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's the way it should be mm-hmm. when you look at, um, you know, someone training for a road marathon. I mean, I can, I can train for a road marathon. I can train for the London marathon right here in my neighborhood. You know, I'm running on road. It's going to be, my body's going to be in the same position the entire time. And yeah, maybe there's gonna be a little bit of climbing here and there, a little bit of descending. Maybe the weather might be a little bit warm or a little bit cooler. Um, not these, there's, there's not real extremes from one road marathon to the next. What's important for people to understand is it isn't so much like the terrain, um, that beats people up in a marathon. It's that your body is staying in the same position. So if I were to just punch you over and over again on your bicep, I mean, after a while, like that's going to get really sore. Right. Um, but trail running, it punches you all over your body. So you're getting a break. You get a break, that bicep gets a break and then you get a little punch on the quad. You get a little punch on the calf. So, um, you hear often people saying, gosh, I'm never as sore after I run a 50 mile tra- trail race as I am after I run a road marathon. And it's like, yeah, cause your body's always changing position. Your pace yeah. is changing. You're moving laterally. Um, and so, you know, your, your training is going to reflect that a little bit too. I think that when you line up at the start line of a marathon, you can pretty much, if depending on how calculated you were in your training, know that, okay, I, I can run between this time and that I can keep this pace per mile, um, for the entire race. And, you know, you just don't see that a lot in, in trial running. There's just so many different variables. Yeah. But I, I remember when I trained for my first 50 miler, um, I trained for that almost exactly the same way I did for road marathons, except my long runs were just a little bit longer. So, um, and that really has to do with goals. So if you are a competitive trail athlete, you're going to be doing a lot of the same workouts that road marathoners are doing. So you're still on the track doing intervals. You're doing the hill repeats, you're doing tempo runs, you're doing some fast running. Um, and so I think that you know, especially now as the sport is getting faster and it, and it's growing running workouts need to be incorporated, um, regardless of, of the distance you're doing. So, which is so funny because I'm training for Tahoe 200 at the end of July. And today I had a 14 mile, 14 mile, um, faster workout. So it was like 10 by, um, 10 by one K the 10 by a thousand meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was a lot of fast running and faster paces and, um, you know, you wouldn't think for a 200 mile race, I need to figure, you know, focus so much on that. But I think if you're competitive, you want to have that good leg turnover. You want the mechanics, you want that speed, that strength. Um, you know, that's just going to kind of remain in your training. It just looks different. Maybe the paces aren't as, as, as fast as they would be for a road race. Maybe the workouts are a little bit longer because you have to get used to more endurance running. Um, Yeah. What, um, and this is going to be a a loaded question, I think. And (laughs) so I apologize up front. So when it comes to the beginner trail runner, the novice trail runner, that's looking to start up, uh, let's say they're getting ready to train for, uh, a 50 miler, let's say, um, in, in July or in August, now that we're in June, when do, when do you 
suggest that those runners really start to dial in their strength training, you know, regimen? Is it something where you're wanting to have that two month lead in or like, Hey, you should be building up to a couple of weeks prior to, or a few weeks prior to, where you're getting stronger and stronger than taper it down. Like what, what typically would you, do you see runners kind of getting their strength training process going? Yeah, I think, um, just and granted, again, it's different for everybody. So, yeah. um, it's tough, but that's why I was loaded question. So I apologize. Yeah. If you're, if you're brand new to strength training, you want to begin your, um, your training cycle with aerobic base building and at the bare minimum PT style strength exercises. So yeah. you're doing a lot of body weight stuff. You're using, um, therabands and your goal is to make sure that your hips and your glutes are strong. You have, um, good ankle mobility and that that core is built up. Like if you had to kind of harness, like some of the main focuses, all of those things, um, also are where like all most injuries are stemmed from. So weak hips and glutes, and there's so many injuries because of that, because our hips and glutes are weak. Um, and then same with ankle mobility and strength. So I think that, um, that at, at the bare minimum, that should, should always be a part of your, uh, in, entire training program. You always want to work backwards with a training plan too. So you pick out when that race is, and then you think about, okay, what am I actually, what, do, what do I want to do those two weeks before the race? Well, there's a lot of tapering and fine tuning in there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully your body is strong by then. Uh, you're not trying to necessarily like make any or, or accomplish any PRs and in, in weight training at that time. So what you're doing is you're maintaining that strength. So what you're doing at the beginning, you kind of want to do at the end, it's PT focused. You're getting that core and you're making the hips and the glutes are, are strong. You're doing your mobility. Um, if you really love strength training and, and you've actually been doing it for a while, um, I say, you know, strength train up into like 10 days before the race. I usually cut it at, at, um, the closest that I'll do actually legit strength training is maybe like six days before the race. Cause you want to be completely healed mm -hmm. and repaired. Pretty you want fresh. your body to feel light and, um, really rested, but everyone needs to just kind of, um, have strength throughout their, their, their training cycle your, your goal for your race is also going to dictate what you do with strength as well. Um, in, in, and your actual race, the type of terrain. So if you're doing UTMB, you need to have strength throughout your week. Um, it's, it is a very big climbing mountain race. It, most people are out there a little bit longer than they, than they would be, uh, if they have like a, a PR in the hundred mile here in the United States, expect to be out in the mountains a little bit longer there. So, you know, having strength training as a part of your cycle is great at the bare minimum, do two days a week. Um, I do four to six just because like, I love it. And I built up to that, but it used to be just two to three days when I first started, but you don't need a ton. You don't need to go hard. Um, but you do need your body to, to be strong head to toe. You and this will lead into um, the book, um, which by the way came out this past Monday, right? June 4th, yeah, June 4th, yeah. And 
I, when I was talking to Eddie via email, he said, you are, are you doing, do I hear audible? I, yeah. Today I, I was, I just came out of the recording studio actually. I'm, <laughs> so I'm, my voice is so shy. <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah. And all my friends will die. I'm, I'm an audible guy. I, I, it's oh, hard for cool. me to sit down and read a book. So when he said We've gotten that a lot, actually, a lot yeah. of people have written and said that to us, like, Hey, I don't read books or like, I it's just wish so I had much the time, but, yeah. I can sit in the office and do work and listen to somebody's book. You know, yeah. Right. And it's, it makes yeah. it so much easier that I can So, And I'm sure you, like you said, you get that a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that it's going to come out on audible. When does the audible version release? Do they know that yet? Um, probably end of July, beginning okay. of August. Yeah. So you're going to make me wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the editing. I mean, these yeah. things always take longer than we, than we think, but yeah, I've had two days in the studio. I probably have like three, three or four more days. And then there's like a couple week turnaround with the editing and then it, wow. then it, then you start to upload it. It has to be passed through audible. I mean, there's yeah a big process. <laughs> I promise it's coming. <laughs> What people don't know is there's like this long laundry list of the, like you said, process, the red tape you got to get through just to get a book out. Man, <laughs> and you, the now hardest you, project I've ever done. <laughs> you, you, if I heard right, you also published it independently, correct? Yes, I chose, there were a couple of publishing companies that reached out to me and, um, and writers too. And I just had this, you know, it was, it's been a dream of mine for a long time. Um, it took me 20 years to write this book. It's a, actually, it's a two-part memoir series. So it's two books. Oh, cool. Um, the second book won't come out um, this year, hopefully at the end of next year. But I think that I just had a lot of conviction about like telling the story straight from my heart. I love to write too. I've written since I was yeah. a little girl and I have stacks and stacks of journals that I've, I've kept. But I thought, you know, I, I want to, I want to do this on my own and I don't, want someone else trying to tell my story. And I also don't want a whole team of people telling me how, yeah. you know, how I need to do this and that and that, because what happens when you have like a team of people too, is they get so focused on how many books you're going to sell. They get so focused on the marketing and granted, like I get it. Like, and I've seen in the past couple of years, some, some guys, you know, they're making millions off of their book and, um, they're selling a ton of books and, and they've been able to do some great things as a result of that. But that wasn't my goal. My goal was I'm going to write a book, um, you know, that's definitely straight from my heart. And my goal is to encourage whoever reads it. Hopefully it'll be bring hope and strength to whoever reads it. But my focus isn't on, oh my gosh, I need to sell a million copies or be on the New York time bestselling list. Like that just is not the focus um, for me. If it does, awesome. I'll be super stoked. But I had I, I went through selfpublishingschool.com and you can meet with a coach like once a week that just checks in with you and they they make sure like, hey, did you, you know, did you get all the writing you wanted to get done this week? Do you need, do you need any like feedback or you want me to listen to anything? Do you have any frustrations? Like, do you know how the flow goes? Like, yeah. So I I went through that, which is awesome. And they kind of just teach you how to self-publish and then you go through Amazon to upload it and do all that. So that team was awesome. And they they helped me with like the back cover of the book. Like they wrote that. Um, and then I hired editors because I'm a big believer in good editing. Um, so it went through like it went through a couple months of editing. Uh 
that was, I, I just wanted it. It needed to sound good. I wanted it to be polished and, um, and smooth too. And so, um, yeah, finally, finally got it out. And my goal was to, um, is crazy. I mean, I, I had talked to my coach about this, but I was like, I, I would love if I could sell 2000 books, like that would be amazing. And I sold that on the first day. So we were, yeah. I, my mind was like blown. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. So I've been very yeah. grateful to see how well it's done. Um, especially because I did not have a marketing team. I didn't have a ghostwriter. I don't have like agents and all of these people behind it. Um, yeah, I wanted to keep it as real raw and down to earth and as, as true to, to me as I possibly could. But, um, yeah, I wasn't ex- ex- expecting uh, this amount of success well, just within the first I, day. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to ruin this for you, Sally. You, you've got a few fans. <laughs> I mean, um, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're <laughs> surprised. <laughs> you've got some followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't see m- myself in the same, you know, well, yeah. category as a lot of people. I mean, even just the fact that my book is in the running and jogging uh, category and to see the books that it's next to, I'm like, yeah, my book is nothing like that. And my message it's not, it's not like a born to like run. So. Yeah. No, <laughs> or just the women that have, that have released books. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I do not have the same message as those women do. So it's really funny though. Like my book will come up and it's like people who frequently or bought this book also bought this book, or these are frequently bought together. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, they're going to get a rude awakening. <laughs> so <laughs> One of these is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, like you said, it's not a running book. It's more a uh, memoir and, and your, yeah. your story and stuff. Do you, do you go into, uh, and again, this leads kind of back to the last conversation we had. Does it does it kind of go into what you've learned along the way from a, a physical aspect, right, and the and the mental side of things in 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 your running and the strength side of things, or is it pretty much just straightforward? Here's my here's my story. This is what I grew up with. This is this is you know what it is. Like, how does that all fall together? And again, yeah, so I. I haven't had a chance to get into it yet because I'm waiting for the audible. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're totally good. Don't, don't feel bad at all about that. And I'm, I'm totally cool talking about it. It's, um, it's actually the first 18 years of my life. Oh, so, um, I think that's where this prize comes in for people too, because I'm not a runner at that point. So some of the stories of my childhood, you do get this, this look into how I started running as, as a little girl. Um, and then there's, you know, some running examples from today that I weave into stories from, from my childhood as, as parallels to life. Um, but the second book is that the second book chronicles my journey, um, from college to present day and some of the, the bigger stories, uh, of my life. So that's what the second book is about. But this, this first one, the reason why it was so important to me that I told it is because it's filled with stories that I have never shared in my life. In fact, there was even, um, some stories in that my, my husband, who's my best friend who I've known since I was 18, he didn't even know some of the stories that were in there. And so I, I really felt like I've been in this sport long enough. I've been in the community long enough. Uh, one of the top 
things that I am interviewed about or when I give talks is on mental fortitude. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm always asked a lot of the same questions. And one of them is how do you keep going? Like some of the things that I do or that I choose to push through, um, you know, being able to explain that I've only always only explained it to a certain point, but when you read the book, you'll understand. And so, uh, it's really neat to be able to share that side of my life with people. And it's why I, I speak so candidly too, about the physical side of strength training, why you need a foundation, why it's so important that you lay a foundation, that you respect the journey that you patiently build because you don't know where people's starting point is. And so my ability to push through discomfort, extreme physical pain, um, is not because I'm, is because I started doing ultras or just because I lift mm -hmm. weights in the gym. Um, that's something I learned as, as a very little girl. And I endured a lot of physical pain as a little girl. And I pushed through a lot of, um, really difficult seasons in life. And I grew up really fast and, um, you know, it's, it's a story that I think a lot of people re will relate to, but it also, um, just shows like very strong parallels to life and respecting each other's journey. And hopefully it gives people hope and grace knowing like we get to start somewhere and we get to write our own story and, um, we can use all of our life, all the pain, the hurt, the losses, the triumphs, the joys, it, it's all meant for something. And, um, really that's what the, the memoir focuses on. So it's just the, the first 18 years, but Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. what you're saying is there's a cliffhanger at the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely like, there, there's an, an ending. There's definitely like a button where you feel like there, there's a good ending here. Um, and then there's a epilogue too that, that kind of helps segue into the second book. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about strength training a little bit, a little, something, yeah. a little something different, I hope from other podcasts episodes yeah. you've done and everything else. Yeah. Um, I love talking about strength training. Thank you. And it's, I'm, I'm excited to eventually listen to the book. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I will. Doing a lot of other people, please do not feel bad. Like I, I get that every <laughs> okay. single I, day. <laughs> I think most everybody I know is audible listeners versus. Yeah. Readers, yeah. But, I love um, audible too. I, I huge it, fan. It's just so much easier. Um, I, it's, you can run a, it's probably more of a pain in the butt for you to do the audible version than it was to actually write it, to write it. Oh no, regards. no. Writing was definitely a labor <laughs> of love. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, what what <laughs> yeah. I'll do is I'll make sure in the, in the show notes, I put a link to where you can purchase the book. I also want to put a link to where you can find the Cocodona 250 okay. documentary. And Thank if you. you haven't, if people are listening in and haven't had a chance to watch that yet, please do so. It's, it is an amazing video that they did. It's about 45 minutes yeah. long ish. And it, it is a really great journey into Sally's Cocodona 250 race. So um, again, thank you so much for, for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time and your patience. It's been okay. fun, Jeff. Trail Life Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Stoner. Music was provided by The Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and the entire Trail Life Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast episodes. Thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you out on the trails real soon.